Welcome, True Believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man, the only podcast to break down hard-hitting dialogue such as, it figures that old tightwad Jameson would stock the cheapest possible liquid soap in his washrooms. Here to break down that line and so much more is my friend Eddie. How are you today, Eddie? I'm uh, feeling great. Jameson is quite the tightwad. This this will come up a couple more times in this book, though, right, James B.? There's a lot of money, a lot of numbers. Speaking of numbers, Eddie, today we have a five-time returning guest. <laughs> and Eddie, you would think with the 2,000 students that we have access to in the year 2023, we would have one of our students be our guest. But no, our guest is a student that we've never met in person. <laughs> That's right, James B. And 2,000 is probably a low estimate. Returning from the Lone Star State is Ian Cooper. Welcome back, Ian. What have you been up to? Well, I've been planning our school dance that we had a few days ago, and I tried out for quads and drumline, and I'm waiting to see how that goes. Oh, Ian, well, if you're doing drumline, quad, in Texas, you're going to be working hard. <laughs> Eddie, if you don't remember, Ian's birthday is coming up, and uh, as a special gift for Ian, we're going to let him do the summary for <laughs> Amazing Spider-Man 233. <laughs> Thanks. From October of 1982, Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man 233 in Where the Explicative Bleep Bleep is Nose Norton by Stern, Ramita Jr., and Mooney. That's what it says. The scene is set in JJJ's office with Joe Robbie, Ned Leeds, and Marla Madison discussing the absence of Nose Norton. J. Jonah Jameson blames Norton's disappearance on the masked menace Spider-Man and the others disagree and walk out of Jameson's office. Meanwhile, Peter Parker is swinging to the bugle to get a freelance gig to help fund Aunt May's senior citizen boarding house. As Peter walks in, Jameson announces that he will give $1,500 to the person who brings in Nose Norton. Joe Robbie says, Take it easy, Jonah. We don't like to see the bugle's money wasted any more than you do. This is the least believable thing I've read in an Amazing Spider-Man book in a long time. Why does that really bother you? It didn't stick out to me that they're, much. They're trying to think that the money at the Bugle being misspent is, like, is just as important to them as is Jay Jonah, the man who has been like, eat some tuna salad, not the caviar. At every turn, this man is worried about spending too much money at the Bugle. There's no way that anyone has any way close to the same concern that Jonah has about money. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. That's a good point, Eddie. I, I just interpret it as that nobody likes to waste money, but you're right. Nobody likes to waste money less than Jay Jody. That's a good point. <laughs> All right, Ian, can you uh, finish up this summary? We see Mr. Rodriguez, a.k.a. the Tarantula, being asked to turn out the lights of Nose Norton. Peter Parker runs into Ben Urich, both on their way to capture Norton hiding in a bar in Staten Island. They work together and get to Nose Norton when the tarantula crashes through the window and takes Nose Norton for himself. Peter changes into his costume and swings off to save Norton. Spider-Man and the tarantula fight. After our favorite menace defeats the wannabe Spider-Man, he hears gunshots and rushes off to investigate. When he finds Norton shot by two private investigators who claim Norton shot first. Peter quickly changes and talks to Ben about the photos he took, possibly including evidence of who shot first. Oh, and then after talking about the undeveloped photos, the book says, more developments, 
next issue. Ooh. For the future, we get to see what happens, I guess. Um, I was more concerned for poor Tarantula here. Uh, Spider-Man calls him straight to his face, second rate. Uh, someone finally agrees with us, James B. Yeah, you didn't even get that joke, like developing pictures, and then it says, in the book says, more developments. Yes. <laughs> it's a pun. The dad puns did not excite me as much as, I guess, they, they could have. Right, James B.? <laughs> It's rude that Spider-Man says it to his face, to be fair. You know? True, uh, yes. I, I guess so. I don't know. He is a villain. Who cares? Spidey, <laughs> well, Spidey does tell the tarantula. Uh, he says, you have caused me some uh, problems in the past. True. But he says like he was wounded or injured or not on his A game, which is what they always have to do to Spider-Man when he fights someone that is weak and not very good. Right, right. Uh, thank you for the summary, Ian. Uh, I know you haven't read the other issues, but you can stick around. And if you want to add anything, let us know. Sounds good. Eddie, Will-O-The-Wisp is in this next issue. He is Fabio in a green one-piece costume. He has long blonde hair. His eyes, I think, might have like no pupils in it. We need to upgrade our reference from the 90s Fabio to... Who's the guy that plays Thor or maybe... uh, No. How about the guy that plays Aquaman? No, 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 no. Hold on. Hold on. (laughs) Hold on. Let's do... It's time for another segment called, Does Eddie Know the Name of Any of the Actors He's Talking About Right Now? Oh, no. Wait, I know one. I know okay. one. All right, fine. Eddie's fine. You can give Aquaman me Aquaman. Is, uh, Jason Moma, right? Well, I'm sorry. What's his name? Is that his name? Jason. Let me, let me hear. Let me hear his last name again. I don't want to say it again. <laughs> yes, and and who who plays Thor? One of the famous brothers. Oh my God! I, don't mix up with his brother, please, um, or any of his brothers. Um, uh, you know the the brother, the brother. <laughs> <laughs> no, James B. I don't know. I, that's why he's, I'm asking you. That's why you're here, James B. He, he's an Australian. He's an. His, he has brothers named Liam and Luke. Thank you, James B. <laughs> it's Chris Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth. Oh, there we go. Okay, great. <laughs> Thank you for playing. Does Eddie know the name of any of the actors he's talking about right now from the MCU? But that's a good point. We, we could describe him as, I don't like to describe people as like, it's Thor in a One Piece, but, but you know, agree One Piece, but okay. sure. Because he's not quite Thor, but he's not the Thor that we're, we're seeing at least. True. But regardless, Eddie, Will-O-Wisp is supposed to be one of those sympathetic villains because people make him do evil things. Yes. Uh, he appears in this book, and this book is from November of 1982. Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man 234 in Now Shall Will-O-The-Wisp Have His Revenge. By Stern, Ramita Jr., and Green. Will-O-The-Wisp is back seeking vengeance upon the Brand Corporation. Having strangely intimate knowledge of a Brand Corp facility, Wisp mixes the natural gas lines with high-voltage lines, causing a massive explosion, leveling one of the buildings. Wisp seems to imply he warned the Brand Corp at some point about the building's construction because he knows the flaws in the building. I, I thought Bran had captured him in a machine, but didn't know that he worked for them, I guess? Yeah, I don't remember the Will-O-Wisp being part of Brand ever um, either. Uh, Brand is a place in Boston. I'm glad for that. We don't really 
talk about things outside of New York enough, except when Peter went to Canada to see that lawyer. Eddie, I know you like the black cat, but are you still into that Montreal Secretary Francis de Leon? I, I, I have no need to discuss any secretaries from Montreal ever again. <laughs> well, I think you are still into her. I agree with James B. <laughs> and in this book, we will see that Peter is still into the black cat. At his home, when he's in the house, he mentions that she is up there with Gwen and MJ as far as ladies he's still interested in. Oh, wow. That, that is not the case with the secretary. But I'm going to continue on here uh, with Spider-Man and Peter Parker. Across town, Peter has developed the film from his encounter with Tarantula, resulting in Nose Norton's untimely death. And the pictures have revealed... No evidence of wrongdoing on Brand Corp's private detectives because the film is bad. When news of the explosion reaches the bugle, Ned and Robbie sprint off, leaving Betty alone and in mystery as to what her husband is investigating. Peter receives some food from his neighbor, Lonesome Pinky, and then Roger Hotchberg tells Peter... He wonders if the Boston explosion would impact the internships at Brand's New York office. Well, Peter finds his way into the Brand Corp uh, office in Boston by interviewing for the internship position that Roger had talked about earlier. After changing into Spider-Man inside the building, he enters a laboratory of machinery used to create super goons. Tarantula who earlier had been convinced by Brand to undergo a treatment to gain super spider powers, walks in and is quickly hooked up to the machine. Spidey and Will-O-The-Wisp both try to stop Brand, but due to a misunderstanding, we have the obligatory hero battle, and they both escape as Brand's laboratory explodes. The tarantula survives, but is more spider monster than man. Yeah, the tarantula now has eight limbs. He looks like you crossed a tarantula with a human. Uh, he is a monster, but I need to go back, Eddie, and just clarify something. I saw you in your notes later. I tried to make a note for you, but Uh-oh. when that's okay. Rod, just the audience, there's an explosion in the Boston office, yes. and Roger's like, hey, is that going to affect Brand New York office internships? Uh-huh. And Peter does not go to Boston for an internship. He just goes to Queens because oh. Brand has a has a place in Queens. So this is the tarantula problem. All happens at Queens with the Will of the Wisp was blowing things up in Boston. That's what gets. Thank confusing. you. I I did get that confused. Yeah, you you need to learn more about Brand. <laughs> I do, and we've learned quite a few things. At least I have in this book. I know you've talked about what a large corporation it is. There's 35 panels, I think, devoted to sneaking around the building, and. It's very clear that this is a huge corporation and that they are creating super goons and the super operatives they have have been incarcerated or killed, apparently. That's why they need to make Tarantula into one. And they have very powerful weapons. The guy, uh, James Melvin, shoots a gun that's inside the facility of Will-O-The-Wisp and really hurts him a lot. And Will-O-The-Wisp is a super powerful character. You know, I'd like to uh, just mention briefly here that, you know, Roxxon Oil, Eddie, is a leading producer of items worldwide. Uh, so, you know, it's a proud sponsor of the Let's Read Spider-Man podcast. 
So, you know, some of the things you're saying are speculative at best. Oh, this is the parent company of Roxanne Oil. Is that what I understand? Brand is the subsidiary. Oh, the subsidiary of Roxanne. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah, so I, you know, some of the things you're saying about brand are like, do not represent fully the opinions of Let's Read Spider-Man in the podcast. Uh, well, um, <laughs> thank you for that, James. We need to always cover our sponsors and make sure that they stay happy, of course. <laughs> yes, just, you know. Please, please continue with anything else you want to add here, because this is... Uh, Peter's got the next book. pictures of the machinery here that he's taken. All right. Ian, you have something else to say about The Amazing Spider-Man 234, or should we go on? I have nothing to add. Why don't you tell us about the next book? Okay, that book is from December of 1982. Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man 235, Look Out, There's a Monster Coming by Roger Cern, John Romita Jr., and Frank Yakoya. The monstrous tarantula is thrashing Will-o'-the-Wisp and Spidey in the remains of the recently destroyed Brancorp building. Now that tarantula has a matching spider strength, Wisp has trouble subduing tarantula. The two are locked in deadly hand to Tarsus combat. The Tarsus is the end part of a spider's leg, James B., uh, that is the only research I actually did for this podcast, was that part of a spider. Uh, the two tumble into Jamaica Bay and do not resurface. This is kind of super boring to me, to be honest. Ian, what do you think? I agree. Keep going, Eddie. Meanwhile, high above the Bugle offices in the executive suite, Ned Leeds, Joe Robbie, Marla Madison and J. Jonah Jameson get a presentation from the Department of Justice about the many super goons Brandcorp has created and unleashed. The DOJ agent requests the Bugle stop working their brand expose in the hopes of giving the department more time to expose and catch the higher-ups at Brand for malfeasance. You know, items we wear every day and use in everyday life come from oil, natural gas, and petroleum, Eddie. just want to point out here that Rocks on Oil is a proud sponsor of the Let's Read Spider-Man podcast, and anything that Eddie or Ian say does not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Let's Read Spider-Man. So, Malfeasus, come on, Eddie. What are you doing here? <laughs> how can it... How can my views not represent Let's Read Spider-Man? <laughs> All right, all right. Let me let me finish this book off. Maybe we'll talk about this later, James B. Spidey hears all this talk outside the window and swings off to find brand executive James Melvin at his office. Wisp shows up, and just as Wisp is about to kill Melvin, Spidey intervenes. While they are distracted fighting each other, we end with Tarantula also arriving and holding Melvin in his hairy spider Tarsus. I really think you did a good job of using the word Tarsuses. And you did a nice job with that summary. Thank you, Ian. I appreciate it. I, I'm not totally sure what the plural of Tarsus is, so hopefully it's Tarsuses. There's been a lot of talk about Brand and all the F-level villains they've created in those pages. You talk about, yes. I don't even know who some of these people are at all. Uh, they kind of give you the Will-O-The-Wisp backstory as well. I mean, this is like a four-part book, but it's definitely... It's definitely a two-part book that they made into a four-part book. Like, this is just a lot of filler here. Ian, I'm glad the story is almost done. And Eddie, I am 
I know you're glad that we're about to come into a new year, and that's from January of 1983. Woo-hoo! New year! Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man 236, Death Knell, by Roger Stern, John Romita Jr., and Frank Yakoya. We open with Spidey and Wisps talking and fighting as Tarantula attempts to eat James Melvin. Wisp knocks Tarantula out, and Spidey takes the opportunity to swing away with Melvin. While this fight is playing out, Roxanne Oil president John T. Gamblin is watching, and when he sees Spidey, he grows concerned the Bugle will once again try to publish their brand expose. Uh, it's a good subplot here. It gives a longer arc feel like Bugle versus brand. Yeah, this book is all about a good guy convincing a wronged party not to kill someone and instead bring them to justice. It's a very network TV crime show type of plot. I mean, this is how this would go down in one of these CBS shows. Well, Spidey stashes Melvin and cleverly lures Wisp into an electromagnetic turbine, weakening him significantly. When Spider-Man returns to where he stashed Melvin, though, he sees the tarantula trying to take a bite out of him. In the middle of the battle, Tarantula, driven mad by his predicament, jumps off a building to his death. Speaking of network TV, you know on those shows, cops will say, like, drop your gun, drop your gun. The bad guy, like, pulls out his guns and the cops have to shoot him. Yes. Tarantula just does that here because he wants to die and the cops do shoot him a bunch of times before his body falls to its death. Convinced by Spidey, Wisp has a change of heart and uses his hypnotic powers to force Melvin to tell the police all of his Brancorp secrets. All of the latter half of the book's battle was caught on live TV, and we end with Joe Robbie not hopeful the Brand Corporation will be held appropriately accountable. You know, Roxxon Oil is the leading producer of items worldwide, and I'm happy that they're there, and I trust them... I trust Roxxon Oil. Uh, I trust their subsidiaries. So I'm sure the truth will come out. James B., it seems Roxxon Oil continuously interrupted our podcast today. They are the sponsor for episode 173. And Eddie, you know, we all right. We, we love all our sponsors and we want to make sure they're well represented. So you report the facts. But please don't okay. put your own spin on it and we'll be fine. We've learned a lot about them, and I don't know, I'm not totally sure if they're the best sponsor we could have for her. Well, the end of this book, it was a great conclusion. I I normally don't like uh, when people get hypnotized, and I really don't like when people get let off the hook. Uh, but it was good on Roger Stern's part to have Melvin through Will-O-The-Wisp, like it gives Will-O-The-Wisp some justice as he spills, you know, all of his secrets from being hypnotized uh, to the police. Yeah. Ian, is there anything you want to add? I have nothing to add. I think you guys covered it. Uh, Eddie, how about you? Anything else? Just that in the past we've seen Will of the Wisp, and he's, he's like you were saying earlier, a, a character who's forced into doing evil things. He was remarkably dark and vengeful in this book. Like he's trying to kill people left and right. And Spider-Man's the only thing that stops him. So I was a little surprised. I think usually he's trying to be nice because he's fighting against Spider-Man. and He's pulling his punches back. But now that he's fighting against the bad guys, Spider-Man has to be the one to interfere and try to say, hold on, don't don't be so dark. 
Because if he was like, I don't really want to hurt anyone, Spider-Man's like, okay, well, then I don't have to stop you from hurting anyone. Everyone's like, okay, it's fine. You know what I mean? True. But he has, someone has to be sort of the bad guy. And there's like, there's like no villains in this whole book. Wow. Tarantula is the bad guy. Oh, I apologize. Guy. Is he though? Isn't he just... He unfortunately he plays another like really B character part, probably C character part because I don't know if we were totally clear. Tarantula is holding Melvin in his hands several times, but Mel James Melvin is safe because Will o' the Wisp has hypnotized Tarantula, <laughs> and there's never any real danger except for like at the very end when Spidey's occupied Will o' the Wisp, and then. Tarantula lives for like another panel or two anyway. So. Tar- Tarantula's first appearance is in Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man 1. He's on this famous cover of the book as they launched the second yeah. you know, title after, oh, like third, I guess, because Marvel Tamp was out there too. But you know, it's a big deal. They launch and they bring this character and then they just change him into a spider and then off him in this like four-part series. That's the end of that. It's clear Roger Stern didn't like Tarantula. <laughs> no, but speaking of things that Roger Stern does like, I think it's time for our sponsor. Oh, all right. Eddie... Today's sponsor is a stock offering, and we're encouraging people to buy stocks in this great new company I want to tell you about. Okay, I can't wait. Sure. Eddie, life runs on energy. The items you wear and use in everyday life come from oil, natural gas, and petroleum. Roxon Oil is the leading producer of items worldwide. Trust life. Trust Roxon. Roxon Oil and Subsidiaries are proud sponsors of the Let's Read Spider-Man podcast and encourage you to invest in stocks of Roxon Oil today. So, Eddie, are you going to go out there and buy some stocks in Roxon Oil? Of course, this money will be invested in only very uh, altruistic research projects, not anything that would destroy the world. (laughs) Why, why are we encouraging our listeners to invest in Roxxon Oil again? I, I can't. So, Eddie, are you going to buy socks in Roxxon Oil? Is it a good is it a good investment for you? Uh, no, it is not, James B. No, thank you. I disagree. I think this is a great sponsor. When this podcast is over, I'm going to tell my mom that it's what I want for my birthday. <laughs> That's a great idea, Ian. I think everyone should be asking for Roxxon socks for their birthday. Eddie, I don't know why you're depriving your family of this, but it is what it is. Uh, well, uh, great, Ian. I'm so happy for you. Happy birthday, I guess. <laughs> Thanks. Eddie, how can people reach us? You can email us anytime at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter at Let's Read Spidey. And now it's time for the close. I'm James B., joined by Eddie and Ian. And remember, listeners, if you want to be like Spider-Man, go get a Ben Cooper costume or something from Party City. Instead of going to Brand Corporation to get some superpowers. Goodbye. 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 Eddie, these four books went together. That should be a good thing, right? Yes. Yeah, it should be. It's a good Was thing. it? Was it a good thing? All right, I'll tell you why it wasn't. Okay. Will-O-Wisp is not a villain. True. Big corporations aren't really villains. The only villain was sort of the tarantula, 
And he was like the victim of the story. But I, I thought you'd like this book because it brings Brandon in a bigger like arc that we will see obviously messing with all sorts of different things in the future. No? True, true. But I didn't get Spider-Man fighting an evil villain. I'd like to have a nice villain who shows up and says, I'm here. I'm going to defeat Spider-Man. I'm a problem. And instead, I got Will-O-Wisp blowing up brand headquarters and J. Chun offering rewards. and But but Tarantula's in there, too, at least oh, for a while. Come on. He just went from worse. I mean, he got even worse. He went. He was. He gets to be a worse villain. When he, they they really they do they do him wrong for sure in this book. Not, we didn't even talk about that when he falls off the building. They literally do like almost like a splat, like yeah, you know, like like a bug hitting yeah, a windshield. Right. <laughs> Ian, does that remind you of when a bug hits a windshield and you're driving a car? I'm only 14 years old. How am I supposed to know? 